I'm Orv Kimbrough, Chairman and CEO of Midwest Bank Center, St. Louis's second largest privately owned bank. We are the proud sponsor, Form Focus, because when we dream big, we all rise together. Welcome to Form Focus, the podcast, Construction Forum. I'm Tom Finan, the Executive Director and Co-Founder of the Forum. On Forum Focus, you'll hear the stories of stakeholders in the St. Louis region's built environment. They're working to create inclusive, robust employment and economic growth. Forum Focus is diverse, it's unbiased, and it's civil. In this edition of Forum Focus, we will talk with Ron Unterreiner, founder of People of Construction. Ron calls People a, quote, non-funded, non-profit, non-organization established for the primary purpose of introducing the minority contracting community to the majority contracting community. Hunter Reiner, who retired after 57 years in the construction industry, is spending that retired life helping minority and women-owned construction contractors build their businesses. On the eve of his retirement, he recognized a huge disparity in the industry as it relates to minority firms and their ability to participate in larger construction projects. He made it his mission to level the playing field so that every small business has access to commercial construction project opportunities. After his success with People of Construction, Unterreiner started Women-Owned Business Enterprises of Design and Construction in March of 2020. Let's listen to our interview with Ron Unterreiner. Ron, I know that people started with the group meetups, uh, usually over at Albarisi's Pagedale facility, uh, but over the years you've evolved that into... Uh, some more one-on-one things. How did that happen? I have a lot of, uh, of ability to walk people into some doors, through some doors, and to help them uh, get connected with different markets, different GCs, different trades. You know, I've always been interested in um, in diversity, and I've always uh, supported it. I had my own company uh, for five years before I joined up with Rody with a general contracting firm. And I actually formed a MBE uh, carpentry firm with a uh, with a friend of mine, an uh, African American friend of mine. And um, we didn't do what we we hoped we could do, but uh, I, I was interested in helping him uh, and so we got that started. And I also was very interested in helping minority individuals. I had uh, four uh, African American apprentices that worked with me. We had uh, two or three African American carpenters. So I was I was a very very diverse general contractor, and uh, uh, I did that not necessarily for uh, reasons to benefit myself, but I, I, I enjoyed helping other people, and I uh, um, you know, and, and I think it also helped me maybe get maybe land some work with certain. Companies, but uh, so I guess I've always had that. Uh, I've always had that desire to help others succeed that maybe face more challenges than others, and uh, so yeah. And you know, prior to that time, I uh, spent the first thirty-two years of my career with uh, HBE Corporation, and 
we we design and build hospitals all over the country, but we never really got involved in diversity. It was never it was really not that an issue from not that much of an issue from 1968 through through um, uh, 1999 when I left them, and we really only ran into it in our hotel operation. Uh, and but I was very, I, I very, very much supported diversity in working with minority firms, HB Corporation. But I was, I was kind of a, kind of a lone ranger at that point because it just was not an important part. It was never required in the work that we did, and not an important part of the industry at that time. So I always had a background. Uh, in diversity, um, I guess right from the very start. Ron, you told me earlier that your light bulb moment related to the formation of people happened in a diversity workshop at Ameren. Well, you you had you were in the room and you were talking about you were at that time presenting your construction forum idea and. I just remember reading what you had written about the form, and I thought, that is exactly what I want to do with my people idea. And I, so shortly after that, I think I was like in November, probably, of 2013. And uh, shortly after that, I was out at my daughter's house, and um, she lived up in the mountains in between Boulder and Golden, Colorado, but 10,000 feet elevation. I could hardly breathe up there, but um, I remember uh, I, I remember being awake all night thinking of exactly how I was going to do this people thing. And it was it was it was on that trip that I decided I kind of wrote it up on the way back. Uh, and I actually formed people, and I I um, I did did the whole people meeting thing and the whole concept almost exactly as I thought of it on that Denver trip. So, um, so that was, that was kind of when it all started. So you had a birthday a couple of weeks ago and you've had some personal issues, some health issues over the years. How did those impact your desire to make something happen? Oh, I think, well, you you might, you might be, uh, Referring to, you know, I was diagnosed with uh, ALS in um, in 2013. Uh, so uh, that diagnosis was, as, as anybody knows anything about ALS, they don't give you very long to to live. And uh, so that diagnosis really made uh, kind of was the impetus, I guess, to get started. Uh, it gave me a desire to. Uh, to do things a little quicker than maybe I would have, and maybe put more of a fire under me. So that was that was certainly a, a driving point. And uh, you know, I will say that with my birthday of now being seventy six years old, and I was sixty seven when I was diagnosed with ALS, I feel quite blessed that I'm still able to be here uh, helping people and still living. We'll be back to the interview with Ron Unterreiner after this message from Construction Forum. Tell me how you're doing. Tell me how you're doing. It can seem really overwhelming when you hear construction called essential. Most of us are not built to tough our way through all the problems and stress created by a pandemic like COVID on our own. 
guess what? You don't need to. Our industry and our region have come together. Financial, mental, and physical health and other resources are available. If you or someone you care about are considering self-harm, text HELP to 741-741. For more info, go to tellmehowstl.com. Let's return to the interview with Ron Unterreiner of People of Construction. I know you've written a number of books, including a uh, business guide for minority businesses. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, I wrote, uh, I've written um, six books now since I've retired. And the first one was on, the, uh, on my journey with ALS driving. I kind of stepped out of the, the bounds of traditional medicine and uh, I went to an alternative functional uh, medicine doctor and uh, underwent various treatments uh, over three plus years. It was about three and a half years that I was with um, this alternative doctor and I, I regained all the strength that I lost in my upper body and I, I really uh, stopped the progression of ALS the book that you're talking about is called A Guide to Better Business, which is a kind of a guidebook of the different business concepts that was meant to help minority firms um, get a handle on how to write a business plan, how to how to look at the concepts of marketing, uh, business development, accounting, legal, business uh, bonding, and all of the different things that a, a business needs when they when they start out. So. Uh, I make that book available to any minority contractor that would want it. I've given out about um, 400 copies to date, and I've got about 100 copies sitting right here that I'm anxious to get back when we start meeting in person to, uh, to give those out as well. So I think that book has been very well received by the people that read it. Um, it's meant to be something they can refer to over and over again when they run into that book. Issues, so um, yeah, I'm I'm very proud of that book. In fact, uh, uh, your assistant Dee Dee Hans helped me immensely with that book, with the uh, front and back cover and the editing part of it. So I appreciate that very much. So I know you've been quite involved with the Building Futures program that exposes young people to construction. Yeah, I so I was on the board of the. Um, Construction Careers Center, which is a AGC charter high school that they closed down um, several years ago now. But, uh, and through there, I met uh, Frank Lorberbaum, who runs, who was the founder of Building Futures. And so I knew Frank from from uh, my days at the Construction Careers Center, and I was introduced to him. Um, uh, Sue Prishnicki from Bond Architects called me one day and said. He really wanted me to meet uh, meet Frank and and see what work they're doing with building futures. She was hoping I could help them raise some money, and so uh, I met with them up at their workshop, and I just fell in love with what they do. I thought it was such a incredible organization doing such great work for kids that needed help, and uh, so I agreed uh, immediately to help do run around town and meet with a lot of the major GCs and see if we could raise some money. Um, 
And we we did that uh, for about six months, and they asked me to join the board, and I said, yeah, I'd be happy to. So, um, so I've been on the board now for, um, gosh, I guess it's been close to five years already, which is amazing. But Building Futures is, they actually have a, they teach concepts of design, <coughs> excuse me, design and construction, and they uh, they have a workshop up on uh, North City uh, to where they have offer free classes to underserved kids. They come in and work with uh, all the tools of the trade, the chop saws and the drills, and and they design things and they make and then they build them, uh, and it's just been so rewarding, not only for the kids, the parents, and the families, but uh, uh, for for the for everybody that, that gets involved with Building Futures. It's a great organization. They they have no administrative costs whatsoever. They put all their money right back into helping kids. So it's it's been a pleasure to work with them. I, I really enjoy it. I love what they do. We've uh, we're growing. We're getting bigger. Every year, we get a nice uh, financial support grant by the Opus Foundation, which has been tremendously beneficial to our work. And uh, we're supported by the Cranford Arts Foundation, which helped us uh, um, helped us into a larger workshop to do better work. And, and they, we go into uh, city schools. Uh, <coughs> school that needs help. Uh, you know, so many of the city schools close their shop classes. Uh, they don't really offer shop classes anymore due to budget. So we go in and we'll set up, we'll take all of our uh, all of our tools, set up a shop class in the school, and we teach, uh, uh, teach. we were in 13 different schools prior to the pandemic, and now we're kind of uh, limited to two schools, but, uh, and, but we're anxious to start to get back into the uh, into school. It's a great program. It's a great nonprofit uh, doing some great work. So I'm very glad to be involved. With so, people, when you when you started it, what did success look like to you? You know, I, when I when I first started, I, my idea of success was simply to fill a room with uh, try to get as many people as I could in a room. Hopefully, like about a hundred. And have half of them, half of them people of color, half of them majority races, um, all in the industry. And it's really just to connect people, uh, get them in a room. It's a very simple concept. I just wanted to get them in a room and get them to talk to each other and meet each other. Uh, and I just felt that if we could do that, it would give the, the minority companies the confidence to talk to some of the larger general contractors. It would let the larger general contractors know who the minority contractors are. Um, you know, we don't really buy anything, and we don't we don't contract with people that we don't know. And uh, we're not a mixing society. Uh, we don't go to the same places. So it was important just to get everybody to know each other. That was my concept. So I figured success to me was was putting a hundred people in a room and having. Fifty uh, percent majority, fifty percent, and then I, my hope was that uh, that the people would do the rest, you know. And uh, so I'm kind, of, I'm kind of guided by that in everything I do. Is trying to keep it very simple. 
uh, I don't like to um, I don't like to have a meeting to where I bring have a set agenda and I have four or five speakers come in and speak to them and teach it. I don't really want to do anything other than allow them to talk to each other and meet each other because there's, there's plenty of other places that uh, have classes, do lectures, teach people different concepts. So I try to keep it very simple. You and I work together on the Contractor Loan Fund Board, and I know that you are a extremely vocal advocate for changing the approach to access to capital for minority firms. Could you talk about that a little, please? I'm really taking a, uh, a strong stand in trying to make some changes in the way owners um, pay their bills, the buyers of construction services. I'm, uh, I, I'm really on a mission to try to get them to change their practices because it's really killing our industry. And I, uh, I have a people meeting coming up on the 5th, and I plan to I do a lot of talking and focus on uh, owner payment. And the, the, the big problem we have there is that the, the, the minority firms in town have very little access hardly any, to conventional market rate capital. So they, they can't go to a bank and get a $200,000 line of credit uh, uh, based on the, their collateral. They have no collateral. They, they don't have room for a second mortgage on their residence. So they, they don't have some of the luxuries that a majority firm may have in getting capital. So And without capital, uh, if they don't get paid, for 60 or 90 days after they start a job, they simply don't have the money to compete in our industry. And, and we seem to we seem to want to talk about building the capacity of minority firms. That's all we talk about in the city. And and yet, uh, that you really can't build it, their capacity unless we figure out a way to either get them paid on a more prompt basis, or we find a way to, to Get them access to market rate capital. You know, they, it's not it's not an option for a firm to borrow money at uh, eighteen or twenty percent. You know, that simply doesn't work. It's no use no use to be in business if you're giving all your money away to some lender with a high interest rates. And those are the type of loans that they can get. Uh, the high interest credit credit card loans. A lot of there's a lot of minority firms that have. Thirty grand out on a credit card, paying twenty-two to twenty-six percent interest, or whatever the max is they can charge, and uh, that, that's not a feasible option. It's not sustainable, and so that is really there's one um, if it's one thing I really want to take on in this industry and try to if we make some change, it's uh, it's owner payments. Uh, so you're going to hear me talk a lot about that in the in the coming months. Well, you were on the Contractor Loan Fund Board and the Technical Assistance Committee. So what went right there and what went wrong? You know, it's a, uh, the Loan Fund had all great intentions, and there was a lot of good people involved uh, setting that up. But in, in my mind, it was, just, it, it was all meant to be left than conventional lending, but it's very hard to 
to get bankers to do anything less than conventional. Uh, and it, it really turned out that we were, we were really unable to uh, help enough people, if you ask me. And uh, and uh, it, the it, it just, uh, uh, you know, the, the interest rates were uh, that were okay. They were uh, a little higher than I felt they needed to be, but uh, it was just so hard to get a uh, a decent sized loan, and and ha- a lot of the loans that we did give was just simply not enough money for firms to compete. Uh, and we had some we had some bad loans right from the start that that definitely uh, caused the contractor loan fund to slow down a bit, and uh, that was. I think that was a that was a big problem. I think they just really didn't have a, a clear understanding of the type of horror that was going to come to the table and the company, the people that they were going to work with. Uh, you know, they weren't used to it, and nobody is. And uh, you know, a lot of these, a lot of the small emerging firms, they, they they've been around for a couple of years, and if they're not being paid. They've, they've got a lot of issues. You know, they got union problems. They've got some. Uh, withholding tax problems, federal and state. And they've got issues that typically lenders would, would walk away from. They wouldn't even look at their financial records. And so, so it, you know, it was tough. It's tough for, for conventional bankers to get involved and, and to, to overlook that type of thing. It just, uh, I, I think they felt that they could and they felt like they wanted to, but Ultimately, it just couldn't be done, and I, I have the same concern um, with the with the successor to the contractor loan fund. Uh, I'm now working with the Rise CDFI, and I'm I'm hoping that it's going to be very successful. I'm certainly going to work hard with them to make it successful for the community. But it's still uh, still a lot of bankers involved, and a lot of people looking at it in a way that I would not look at it. Uh, Ron, is there anything else that I haven't asked you about or that you'd like to talk about? Uh, no, I think I've probably already got myself in a lot of trouble. You think? <laughs> well, I think maybe that's what it takes to shake up the industry. I don't know. You know, it's, it's one thing about being retired. If, it, if you're not working for anybody, you can you can say things that you would not say if uh, if you were if you had an employer and relied on some of these large owners. And you know, I I will say that, um, and sometimes I say, I say things that may come out wrong, but I have a lot of respect for our industry. I have a lot of respect for the owners in town. Uh, I've been on I've been on both sides of this. I, I've I've worked as a uh, the CFO for an $800 million company. So I know what it's like to uh, to be at the top. I know what it's like to be at the bottom. And, uh, and you know, we're all just people. We're all trying to get along and make a living. So I don't understand why we can't look through some of the issues that we have and see how it's affecting other people. And that's what I would like to continue to try to work on with uh, uh, with a lot of the major corporations in town and get them to think a little harder about uh, uh, the impact they're having on our industry and on certain companies and individuals. And if I can do that, I feel like I will 
be very successful in my retirement years. Thanks for listening to this interview with Ron Unterreiner of People of Construction on Forum Focus. I'm your host, Tom Feynman.